Good afternoon. You are listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and via podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Brought to you by our news team, Alexandra Fernandez, Chancellor Miracle, Chris Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Dinah Jansen, Cindy Gibson, Erica Singh, and me, Kareem Mosna. Well, I do hope you enjoyed the beautiful weather we had here in Kingston and across much of Ontario this past weekend. Let's begin, as always, with your local news rundown. Well, some environmental-themed events to talk about. Coming up on January 19th, 2023, it's the Kingston Climate Change Symposium, hosted by Sustainable Kingston along with the city. It will host a lineup including the Honorable Catherine McKenna, who's the former Minister of the Environment and Climate Change. McKenna was the founder and principal of Climate and Nature Solutions and is chair of the UN Secretary General's new high-level expert group on net-zero commitments of non-state entities. She's Canada's former Minister of the Environment and Climate Change and was a lead negotiator of the Paris Agreement before introducing and successfully defending landmark legislation that established a carbon price across Canada. She led efforts to phase out coal, reduce plastics in oceans and waterways, and double the amount of nature protected in Canada in partnership with Indigenous peoples. Also included in the, in the lineup for this year, CBC broadcaster Ali Hassan, who will be the MC of the symposium. He has hosted programs such as Laugh Out Loud, as well as filled in on CBC's Q and As It Happens. Also in this year's lineup, Paul Taylor, who is executive director of Foodshare Toronto and a lifelong anti-poverty activist, will lead a conversation about food security, justice, and how Foodshare advocates for the right to food. The free virtual 2023 Kingston Climate Change Symposium is coming up January 19th, 2023. What sort of food systems do we want in the future? And who do we want controlling our food systems? These are just some of the questions that will be discussed November 19th at Kingston City Hall with guest speaker Pat Mooney, who is the founder of the research group ETC Group. Mooney has been researching, writing, and speaking about food issues since the 1970s, and he will be speaking about the ETC's group publication, A Long Food Movement Transforming Food Systems by 2045. The report lays out two futures for food systems, people, and the planet. One with agribusiness as usual, and one where food systems are reclaimed by civil society and social movements. The event is to be held Saturday, November 19th, 2 to 4 p.m. in Memorial Hall at Kingston City Hall. It's a free event co-sponsored by the Food Policy Council of KFLA, Kingston Area Seed System Initiative, Loving Spoonful, National Farmers Union Local 316, and the Sisters of Providence of St. Vincent de Paul. This Friday, November 11th, is Remembrance Day, and the Remembrance Day Civic Ceremony will be held in person at the Cross of Sacrifice in McDonald Park on King Street East in George. Begins at 9.15 with the Community Wreath Laying Ceremony, followed by a Veterans and Military Group's Wreath Laying Ceremony at 10.15, and finally the Civic Ceremony at 10.45. Your TV from Kojiko will be filming the ceremony and will be later broadcast at 2 p.m., 7 p.m., and 10 p.m. on November 11th. There will be no garbage, green bin, or recycling collection on Friday, November 11th. It will be moved until Saturday. All administrative offices, including housing and social services and provincial offenses, will be closed on November 11th. Kingston Transit and Kingston Access Bus will run as usual and uh, all arenas and rec centers are open. Now, fall battery collection is running this week. 
Supervisor of Solid Waste Disposal with the City of Kingston, Adam Mueller, says batteries contain toxic chemicals that can harm the environment and should never be put in the garbage. We offer this collection to help residents easily and properly dispose of dead single-use batteries in an effort to keep our environment safe. You can place your bag of batteries on the ground beside your recycling box or next to another curbside waste container where it can be easily seen by a collector. Mueller adds, a battery collection week also coincides with daylight saving time when we're reminded to replace our smoke detector batteries. It's a good opportunity to insert fresh batteries and dispose of the old ones. Now a quick note here, car, tool, and other types of large batteries will not be collected. You can also drop off batteries at any of these locations, City Hall, Invista Center, Kingston Area Recycling Center, and there are some other additional drop-off locations that you can find by going to rawmaterials.com. Coming up this Saturday, November 12th, for the first time, the Kingston Symphony Orchestra will perform favorites from video games. Some examples are Mario, Zelda, and Final Fantasy. The performance will take place at the Isabel Bader Center for the Performing Arts. The Kingston Symphony partnered with the Kitchener-Waterloo Symphony to present SCORE, the Art of Video Game Music. SCORE, the Art of Video Game Music, will be performed in Kitchener-Waterloo on Wednesday and will of course be here in Kingston at the Isabel Bader on Saturday. Kingston Symphony General Manager Andrea Houghton says Kitchener-Waterloo Symphony Orchestra will present the same concert earlier in the week with both shows featuring Swedish concert producer Ovar Safstrom. We're bringing him to host the shows. He'll be talking more about the games and the music behind them. He's done a lot of concert production, specifically with video games. She adds, we've done concerts featuring music from various movies and films, but this is definitely something new for us. Kingston Symphony Communications Coordinator Lucas Murphy says you're going to get something from every era in gaming history. Nintendo, Super Nintendo, PlayStation, some of the biggest hits. You're going to see some really interesting music here and covered in a format you're maybe not used to, as you're probably used to hearing blips and bleeps and chiptunes. Now it's a full orchestra. He adds, some of these composers, their work stacks up with the best of the classical composers. Now, I'll share my full conversation with both Lucas Murphy and Andrea Houghton tomorrow afternoon at 5 o'clock here on CFRC on my show, Citizen K. But in the meantime, if you're interested in learning more or purchasing tickets, you can simply visit the Kingston Symphony's website or contact the Grand Theatre box office for SCORE, the art of video game music, this Saturday night, 7.30 performance at the Isabel. And that's your local news rundown for today in YGK. I'm Kareem Mosna. Now, if you're passionate about the local music scene, well, Cindy Gibson has your local artist to watch. Hey, everyone. This is Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call with your local artist to watch this week. Now, we're going to talk about Princess Towers. Yes, it is a landmark apartment building in Kingston's Hub District, but it is also a local indie band that I think you should check out. Well, their last full album was released in 2018, and we have had a few singles drop since then. This past May, Princess Towers released a full album titled Remastered in Stereo. And while many bands use the term eclectic to describe their sound, it absolutely applies here. They dabble in anything and everything from indie, country, and folk, and their experiences as prolific Kingston musicians shine on this particular release. Princess Towers are currently out on tour playing shows across the country right now, 
but you can catch them at home on November 11th at the Hotel Wolf Island. It's a $15 or pay what you can show with two additional bands joining the bill. I highly recommend you check them out. Today we're going to listen to a track called High Five Freaks off their brand new album. I hope you like it. I'm Cindy from the Indie Wake Up Call, and stick around next week for another local artist to watch. Hello and welcome to Today in YGK Campus Corner. My name is Erica Singh, and here are your campus news headlines for today. The Alma Mater Society, or AMS, met on Thursday, November 3rd for their monthly assembly. The meeting opened with comments on AMS operations during homecoming by the President, VPs of Operations, and University Affairs. These comments include, 
Members of the University Street Party Task Force were invited to the Kingston Police Station Command Center to get a sense of what police operations look like during homecoming. Takeaways from this visit are yet to be fully realized, but the AMS hopes that it translates into better support for marginalized students and communities during future events. Next, an update was provided on the PCC Studio Q merger, with the project manager position being filled just before the meeting. Next, the rector shared that this year's housing survey has been launched. Booths will be set up in the ARC and at Cogro, along with students going door to door to ask questions to the Queen's community. This was followed by updates from various faculty societies such as NSOC, COMSOC, ACES, and more, who shared updates on their new hires, homecoming activities, and asked for inputs on various issues being faced by them. Lastly, various Queen's clubs and organizations motioned to place a fee question on the Fall 2022 referendum ballot. These organizations include Queen's Model Parliament, Queen's Cardiac Research Committee, Queen Swifties, and CFRC radio station. All organizations will move to referendum in December. The meeting agenda and minutes are now available to view on the AMS website. In other news, Bader College at Queen's University has appointed its new Vice Provost and Executive Director, Janine Griffiths-Baker. Dr. Griffiths-Baker has also been appointed as an adjunct professor to the Faculty of Law. She will be taking up residency at Bader College in late December and will officially begin her new role on January 1st, 2023. Principal Patrick Dean would like to acknowledge and thank Jennifer Meadows, who has been acting in this role since July and will assist in the transition of Dr. Griffiths Baker. Next, on Friday, November 11th, classes will be canceled from 10.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for Remembrance Day service. Now that midterms are over for most faculties, here are some PSAs on resources available on campus to help you come back even stronger for the second half of the semester. Resident Society is offering an academic bursary open to all students living in Queens residence to help pay for all program-related textbook expenses and course packs, both physical and online. This application is available for the remainder of the year. To apply, visit resoc.ca slash financial aid. Next, the SGPS is hosting a mental and physical health town hall on Tuesday, November 8th from 4.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. at Kingston Hall in room 101. Registration is not required for this event and all SGPS members are invited to come talk about their concerns. Lastly, the BY POC Study Hall is running every Wednesday from now to the end of the year at 4.30pm to 6.30pm in the BY POC Talk Room, which is room 203 in the Rideau Building. Come down to study and hang out in a safe and welcoming environment and make friends with fellow biracial and POC students. Thank you for listening to Campus Corner. Now over to Chancellor and Chris. On Friday, November 4th, QP, 55,000 Education, Custodial, and IT Workers Union, went on a walkout from the schools as well as any other institutions that they are a part of. They made sure to clarify that it wasn't a strike. The reason for it not being a strike is because Doug Ford put forward the notwithstanding clause saying that QP members 
going on strike would be illegal, even though it is a part of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms of Canadians to go on strike. Ford's use of the notwithstanding clause has put the QP bargaining in the minds of a lot of different unions across Ontario. There's a lot of fear that this clause will be used against other unions, their efforts to get wage increases that match inflation. This morning I spoke with Astrid Hobel of Kingston Local PSAC 901. She mentioned that later in the day, PSAC 901, as well as many other unions, will get a lot more information. I wanted to know how PSAC was monitoring the situation and why other unions are so involved with what is going on with CUP. Uh, so thank you, Astrid, for uh, speaking with me today. Yeah, thank you for uh, talking to us. Uh, do you mind telling the audience uh, what your position is with the PSAC? Uh, I am Astrid Hobill, and I am the president of PSAC Local 901, and we are the local that represents graduate student TAs, uh, research assistants, and teaching fellows on campus, as well as postdoctoral scholars. Right, right. And and with the labor demonstrations uh, that QP has been putting together, what would PSAC's involvement be at this point? Uh, currently, we are standing in solidarity with uh, the QP education workers. We are showing up for the picket line. As of 9 a.m. this Monday morning, we also have our own members out there who are on the picket line. Uh, marching in solidarity with the education workers because we know uh, how important it is that they receive fair contract and we always try and help out uh, other unions get those when we can. Now, was it the bargaining itself that raised concern for PSAC to take notice of this action with QP or, or was it the notwithstanding clause specifically? I mean, we were already really concerned about the way the bargaining was going. The fact that they're some of the lowest paid workers uh, and they have not been given a fair contract by the province is absolutely outrageous. Uh, they deserve so much more uh, for both themselves as well as in order to ensure the safety of all students in classrooms, as well as the notwithstanding clause is incredibly concerning for all laborers throughout not only the province but the country if there if the province is able to erode our rights to collective bargaining and basically impose agreements on people do we even have the right to collective bargaining at this point and i think it's something that we're seeing all different walks of unions get really involved with this and incredibly outraged because this is just absolutely an unjust way to bargain right right so I've we've all heard uh, through a bunch of different media sources now that a lot of unions are keeping their eye on this. Do you have a scope of how many or or what types of unions might be paying attention to what's going on right now with QP's bargaining? Uh, I don't have a, a complete scope, but it definitely seems like everyone, even uh worker unions like Leuna, who have previously supported the Ford government, are now coming out and denouncing the way that he's done things and are in support of QP. So it is looking like across the sector there is uh, really good solidarity with the QP workers. I don't think uh, 
the Ontario government realized quite how many people they angered by using this notwithstanding clause, which basically makes the striking options for keeping members illegal. Um, and and is there any other efforts uh, that the public should be paying attention to uh, now that QP's, um, you know, their efforts with the Ford government is now on everyone's mind? Is there something else that we should also be paying attention to? Um, I think currently, especially in Ontario, keep getting out to the picket lines and keep showing up for the workers. Uh, we'll probably in the next few days be seeing more developments there. Um, but other than that, I kind of look across the country. We have QP members uh, from uh, education out in uh, Nova Scotia as well. Uh, at Dalhousie, all of the uh, graduate TAs there are also out on strike. Um, and we stand in solidarity with them as well. This is a cross-country issue that we're starting to see, especially with the fact that we're seeing such huge rises in the cost of living, yet the employers are failing to recognize that and give terrible contracts. And one more thing that we should still all be watching is there's the Bill 124, which limits a lot of public sector workers in in Ontario and their right to uh, bargain collectively since it only allows for a 1% raise. Uh, QP has already gone through those negotiations, so they're freed of that. However, it still affects many bargaining units in the country, and it's currently before the courts in Ontario. So that is another thing that we need to be keeping our eye on that uh, that's in the courts right now. Well, thank you, Astrid, for joining me today. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. That was my interview with Astrid Hobel, uh, head of the academic workers portion of PSAC 901. Good evening, everyone. My name is Zayden Vergara, and it's time for your CFRC Sports Update. It's been a week of long and hard matches for your Queen's Gales. The women's soccer team suffered an overtime loss to the York Lions in their OUA semifinal match. The men's rugby team, after receiving a first-round bye in their OUA playoffs, lost to the Laurier Golden Hawks 27-37. This was also the men's first loss of the season. Over the last week, the women's rugby team traveled to Victoria to compete in the Youth Sports Championship. Their first game was against the Victoria Vikes, and it would prove to be their closest game all year, winning it 13-10 and moving on to the semifinals against the Ottawa Gigi's. The Gales had an explosive first half with a 22-0 lead, but the GGs fought back in the second half, mounting two early tries. However, it's not enough as Queens once again prevailed, winning 22-17, moving on to the U Sports Championship against Laval. Laval opened the scoring with a penalty conversion and added two more to give them a 9-0 lead at halftime. Queens would soon get on the board when Maddie Donnelly found the try zone in the 43rd minute, making it a one-try game. But Laval fought back, getting another try and one more penalty conversion to win 22-5. The women's rugby team walked away with an undefeated regular season as well as being the OUA Championships and U Sports Championships finalists. In football news, last Saturday the Golden Gales had their semifinal match against the Ottawa GGs. The wind was raging the entire game to the point where it was shaking the field goal posts. But number 12, rookie quarterback Alex Verkeen continued to throw with power and accuracy, allowing for an astonishing 17-0 lead after the first half. The GGs gave the Gales a run for their money in the third quarter, making it a one-score game 10-17. But the Gales pulled through in the fourth with two field goals from Tyler Mullen and a touchdown from Jared Kassari. 
But the nail in the coffin came in the form of a punt return. Here's a highlight from CFRC live football coverage from Jesse Bell and Jordan Dex. Oh, and a bad snap. And that punt is a bit of a blooper. It's gonna be bouncing. Oh, oh, to Richard Burton. And Burton is breaking down the sidelines. And he has just ended this game. Yes, yes. A bad snap leads to a bad punt, leads to a Richard Burton punt return touchdown. It is 34-13. We will be seeing you in London next week. The dagger from this Queens team. And of course, it's Richard Burton. Who else? An incredible game for number 83. Just got even better. Unbelievable. With their win over the GGs, the Gales are headed to the 114th Yates Cup against rival school, the Western Mustangs. Tune in for live coverage here on CFRC 101.9 FM, Saturday at 1 o'clock. That's all your sports news for today. Now over to Dinah with the weather. Thanks so much, and now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight we're expecting clearing skies this evening with winds west at 20 kilometers an hour, becoming light this evening with a low plus 2. Tuesday, November 8th, we'll see sunny skies with winds north at 20 kilometers, gusting to 40 and becoming light in the morning, a high of 8. And at night, we'll see clear skies with a low of zero. The outlook for Wednesday, November 9th, is sunny skies with a high of 11. And at night, we'll see clear skies with a low plus five. Now over to Alexandra Fernandez with the City of Kingston Traffic Report. I'm Alexandra Fernandez. Thank you so much. Here I am with your City of Kingston traffic report. Barry Street will be closed from King to Stewart on Friday, November 11th from 10.20 a.m. to 12 p.m. for the annual Remembrance Day ceremony. Baggett Street will also be closed from West to Barry on November 11th from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Garrett Street from Division to University will be closed until November 20th. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge will be closed until further notice. King Street from Barry to West will be closed on Friday, November 11th from 10.20 a.m. to 12 p.m. King Street from University to Barry will be closed from 8.15 a.m. to 12 p.m. on November 11th. Stephen Street will be closed from Cowdy to Montreal on November 7th till November 8th at 8 a.m. for line painting. Ontario Street from West to Gore will be closed on November 11th as well from 11 a.m. to 12.45 p.m. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until January 21st, 2023 at 7 p.m. And Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until Jan 31st, 2023 for construction staging. The school street operations may be impacted by school closures. The following streets are closed from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays until June 29, 2023 as part of the School Streets Initiative. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Third crossing roadwork on Highway 15 at Gore is still in place. Third Third crossing bridge from Ascot Lane to Point St. Mark is an active construction site. Trespassers are circumventing the site fencing and ignoring the signage that the road is closed. No public access is permitted until the formal opening occurs in December. On John Counter Boulevard from Montreal Street to Ascot, above ground electrical work is taking place. In the case that a lane needs to be closed for construction, proper flagging will be in place to direct traffic, otherwise both lanes are open. An additional left turn lane on the west side of John Counter Boulevard and Montreal Street intersection will be opened. 
and Water Rock Causeway removal will continue, which means an increase in dump truck traffic on the west side until completion in December. Access from John Counter to Village on the River Apartments is currently shut down as residents were notified to use their Montreal Street access during this temporary closure to John Counter. Pedestrians will be able to use the temporary access path north of JCB, which will be maintained at all times, and cyclists will be on single file on JCB. Some general notes, the access to the library parking lot has been moved to the new entrance at Point St. Mark. Access to the Pittsburgh library parking lot will be maintained at all times. The cycling and pedestrian signals have been activated to assist cyclists and pedestrians in crossing the road at Gore Road and Highway 15. That's your weekly traffic report, and now we're going to throw it over to Dinah with the events. Thanks so much, and now it's time for the CFRC events calendar brought to you by queensevents.ca. The Dance School of Drama and Music's major fall production of The Pirates of Penzance continues this week at the Rotunda Theatre in Theological Hall nightly from Tuesday through Saturday with matinee performances on the weekend. Tickets are $15 for students and $25 for the public. The Department of Political Studies and the Institute of Intergovernmental Relations are presenting a panel discussion this Wednesday, November 9th at 2.30 p.m. on the 2022 U.S. midterm elections. The event is free and open to everyone and will take place in McIntosh Quarry Hall, room D216 on the main floor. Are you a student thinking about housing and where you're going to live next year? Don't miss the Housing Resource Fair on Wednesday, November 9th from 6 to 8 p.m. in the BioSci Atrium. You can learn about different property management companies and landlords in the city of Kingston. You can also interact with other students to find housemates for next year. This Wednesday, November 9th, KPP Concerts is also presenting the Blue Stones with guests Broken Love and Low Hum at the Ale House. Tickets are $25 in advance on Ticket Scene, open to anyone 19+. plus. The annual gem and mineral sale returns to Miller Hall Museum on campus this week. Two Queens alumni-owned businesses will be selling beautifully cut gemstones, natural minerals, crystals, fossils, and decorative geological items from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and ending on Friday. Former actor and staff writer on The John Stewart Show, stand-up comic Jeremy Hotz is coming to the Grand Theatre this Thursday, November 10th, with his original observational comedy. Limited tickets are still available online. On Friday, November 11th, the Queen's community is invited to attend a Remembrance Day service at Grant Hall starting at 1045. And on Saturday, fans of Simple Plan and The Offspring won't want to miss their concert on Saturday night at the Leon Centre. It's open to all ages. You can find links and ticket information to these events and many more by going to queensevents.ca and by following Queen's Events on Instagram. And don't forget, CFRC's annual funding drive is now underway through December 31st. Donate today via CFRC.ca and help support station operations, CFRC's effort to build a new accessible and mobile-friendly website, and fund a radio theatre camp for local youth next summer. That's a wrap for the CFRC events calendar in our program today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Today in YGK and Scoop podcasts on Spotify and iTunes to get the latest in campus and local news on the go. From all of us on the CFRC News team, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.